100% overall from the field, but he was also 50% from three. He was five to ten. I know you're out there. It's okay. Stand back there. <laughs> no, more than likely, you're going to get that number one seed. And so I want him to be ranked in the number one eight. Welcome in to Let's Rage Coots, presented by the Saxonian family. We're coming off the heels of the Charleston Classic Championship game, in which the number six ranked Houston Cougars came out victorious over Dayton, 69 to 55. And boy, the difference in the game came at the beginning of that second half. Houston came out of halftime, went on a 16-4 run, and that really pushed them over the edge, over the scrappy Dayton team that, for all intents and purposes, like Kelvin Sampson said on Thursday, he wasn't kidding. This seemed like a home game for Dayton, especially early on in that um, contest. The place was rocking. A lot of Dayton fans were certainly a factor in the first half, but Houston did a good job of weathering the storm, honestly jumping out ahead and having a cushion. For the most part, they, they the closest Dayton got for a while was just five points, and then it was about that eight-point to 12-point range until Dayton kind of made a little run. And then, like I just said, in that second half, Houston really imposed its will, and that, that separation was enough for Houston to be able to come out victorious and have become the Charleston Classic champions when it comes to scoring. LJ Cryer led the way with 18 points on 6 of 14 shooting from the field. Jamal Shedd was second with 16 points. He had four assists, only two turnovers in this contest. And Jawan Roberts was the only other player in double figures. He had 10 points and eight rebounds in the win. Joining us, Chris Gardner, Dayon Dunlap, as always. First of all, how are y'all doing, and what did you guys think of the Charleston Classic Championship game performance by the Houston Cougars? I'm doing great. Dan, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good, man. It was a good game. Houston really looked really well in the defensive end, as always. The Cougs took the cry out of it. <clears throat> the Dayton fans traveled to Charleston, but the Cougs jumped on them early and, and did what uh, really, really good teams do. It's like a road win. Oh, take it and move on. You know, one of the things that the Houston Cougars did well in this game, offensive rebounding. That was crazy at yeah. halftime. They had 11 offensive rebounds off of 19 misses. They missed the ball 19 times, and they got the ball back in 11 of those 19 misses. And that was a big difference maker, especially in that first half when you – know, Dayton was shooting 57% from the field at halftime for all intents and purposes. I mean, they weren't playing a bad game. They still found themselves down eight. They were down double digits a couple of times. And then again, in the second half, Houston just seemed to turn up the intensity when it came to defense. Dayton kind of cooled off, and that was ultimately the difference. Houston just wore down Dayton in this game. Oh, oh Andy, don't say wore down. Unless <laughs> <Less> Fred <laughs> Cougs. <laughs> oh, that's a different thing. But Dayton, their offense, when it was working, first half, Nate Santos hit those threes. They did well. They shot, I think you said, 57% from the floor first half. Three layups, three dunks. It's not too often that an opponent does that to Houston's defense. But then that second half, the Cougs' defense tightened up. Dayton missed more of those open looks that they made in the first half. Jamal Shedd set a tone early with his advantage at the point guard spot, LJ Cry splashing some threes. And then toward the end, Juwan Roberts got the post ups. And, you know, where was the comment here? Tim K 
Coach did a massive job balancing minutes for Shed, Cryer, and Roberts, and he mixed up the offense too. Gave, gave each of them time to shine. And the Coos won, led by what? Uh, much as twenty, maybe. Yep, yeah, as much as twenty. But Emmanuel Sharp missed all five of his three-point attempts. Damian Dunn, three for nine from the floor. And they still won going away. They still won. This game was never in doubt. Dayton came in with momentum, but this game was never in doubt. Yeah, and once they turned the defense up, they really were just able to limit Dayton from anything that they want to do offensively. Then they was able to turn that defense into offense and really kind of ignited them ignited the rhythm that they got played and then I'm getting on the offensive end primarily jump started with the defense they were to cause turnovers create turnovers and um, I really like the balance like the comment that was said it did show a unique balance between the scores doing different um, isolations to get different players good looks in certain spots on the floor I was really impressed with this win Cougs were 16 I scored Dayton 16 six points off turnovers to back up Dayon's point right there just a good all-around effort. Javier Francis bounced back, crashed the boards. Yeah. Not rebounds. Just a good all-around effort. And LJ Cryer, anybody else want, oh, what's wrong with LJ? There you go. 14 for 30 from three, last five games. Nothing wrong with him. He was getting good looks. They just weren't falling. And I think for the most part, Damian Dunn, same way he's getting good looks. Right now, they're just not falling. It was a total shed show. That one hustle play he made, yeah, well, man, that that's that's Jamal Shed slash Uber culture, all that man. A year. <laughs> I mean, that was an outstanding that was, hustle, man. That was outstanding. Crazy. And I really like how he picked his spots too today. Um, again, he was aggressive to score, but I think this team needs him to be aggressive to score, primarily getting inside and breaking down the defense because it's going to open up the floor and open up his, his his passing game because teams are going to challenge him or go under the screens and challenge him to shoot those shots, whether it's from the three or from the mid-range. And oftentimes when they do that, he has the quick enough and the strength enough. Tonight was the first time and only on the one other game that I can think of that he was bigger than the person guarding him. Yes. And yeah. often he utilizes his strength in driving, get downhill when they would go under the screens. And so he did a good job of reading that tonight. And the coaches for that too. The coaches, I'm sure they recognize that and said, Jamal, we're going we're gonna to go with you a lot. You got an advantage, size, height, and strength. We're going to maximize that tonight. Most definitely. Kelvin Sampson's programs, teams over the last few years, every time there's an advantage, they do a great job at exploiting them, finding it, and hurting the opposing team. I was going to bring up the comment that Eric Hudson mentioned on YouTube. He said, he asked us before the tournament, what did you want to see coming out of the tournament? For us individually, did we see what we wanted to see and I'll go first. I think we absolutely did when it came to how they did in playing so many games in such a short amount of time. Going back to Utah, that was kind of the the certainly the closest game out of the three that they played in these four past four days. And again, they in that game against Utah, they did a good job of being able to close out the halves in this game against Dayton. They did a good job of opening the second half, and essentially, when they did went on that sixteen to four run, ultimately put that game away. 
they look comfortable. And even Kelvin Sampson, he went with a much shorter rotation in the past two games. So that's interesting to see, uh, at least currently standing here at November 19th, who are the players that are you know, in the rotation when it comes to crunch time. And when it comes to those closer games, we kind of got a, a glimpse of what it's like. Again, still early, but we got a glimpse of it. Well, what I wanted to see, and I think Dion as well, I'm not going to speak for him, of course, but we wanted to see them challenge and face some adversity and how they would adapt to it and what they how they would react. Utah tied the game up. The Cougs would finish the game on a 2010 run. <laughs> so that was what we wanted to see. So, yes, I did see what I wanted to see out of this tournament. Yes. I definitely did as well, like Chris just said, how they bounced back in adverse situations. They did that and tonight in the game against Utah. And I wanted to see just certain spots how Coach Sampson utilizes certain lineups and certain players in certain spots, different situations, what kind of sets he goes to. So still getting to know this team, I was able to really see a lot to what I was looking for over this tournament. Real quickly, I'd like to remind everybody that's joining us, watching us live, whether it be on the Houston Raw Bar View YouTube channel or on Pop Slam at JAMA, whether it be on YouTube or via the X platform. Of course, if you're listening to the audio only platforms after the live stream, this is Let's Rage Coots presented by the Saxonian family, the original Houston football and men's basketball post game show. Unofficial still, of course, but we are original. And, of course, we also like to say thank you to our secondary sponsor for today's episode of Let's Rage Coots presented by the Saxonian family, and that is Star Pizza in multiple locations across the Houston area. Star Pizza is your go-to stop before or after the game. Be sure to stop by any of their locations every Tuesday during lunch for an all-you-can-eat pizza buffet. And on that note, I'll toss it back in terms of... You mentioned Javier Francis did a much better job crashing the boards, had was just a rebound shy of getting into double figures. Damian Dunn was, well, he had nine points. I got mistaken with Jawan Roberts' stat line there for a second, but Jawan Roberts came real close to having a double-double in his own right. Like I mentioned he had 10 points earlier, eight rebounds, and a couple of times there where, you know, Houston went to him in the post. They have a couple of possessions where they let him go to work down low and, you know, for in this game, particularly, they didn't necessarily need him too often, but it's always a good reminder to see that he can go down on the post and he has a good two dribble, turnaround, hook shot, and he's got that down. Let's let's answer this question. Get your thoughts on it. Is Jamal Shed the, the best point guard in the country? He's one of the for sure. I mean, I want definitively, wholeheartedly, in my opinion, be like, yes, he's the best country, hands down. But I will 1,000% feel confidently saying he's one of the best point guards in the country for sure. Who who else would you say he's with? Let me, let me, give me a second. Let me look at some of the names. Well, so well yeah, I, I thought about that. So let me do this. I'm going the uh, 24 Bob Cousy, 20 – Point guards on the on the award list, the preseason watch list, basically. All right, um, Tyrese Proctor from Duke, Ryan Nimhard of Gonzaga, Dwan Harris, Kansas, uh, Jameer Young, Maryland, Javon Quinley, Memphis, Nigel Pack, Miami, mm-hmm. uh, Max Acemus, Texas, more of a scorer than a point guard, but still Wade Taylor, the fourth A and M, Tristan Newton, UConn. Isaiah Collier, USC. 
What do y'all think about that? Any of any of those other guys? Corey says Dewan Harris. Dewan Harris is nice. I like Judah Mins for for Syracuse. Um, there's some other good point guards. I like Collier from USC, the freshman. Uh, like I said, I gotta look more. I don't want to say off the top because I know there's more point guards I seen played on that list you mentioned. But like I said, I confidently will say he's one of the best point guards for sure, in my opinion. Agreed. What you guys say? What you think, Chris? I like I. Dewan Harris would be my would be in, in there. I think he's but, better than Dewan Harris, in my opinion. I was going to say, but I, I think he's better. I think he's he can score more if necessary than Dewan Harris can. He's stronger, and that helps him physically in certain matchups on defense as well. Tyler Kolek from Marquette is solid. Dude, there's a lot of good solid point guards. He's nice. What about R.J. Davis from UNC? He's nice. He's nice. Yeah. He, I don't. I don't. Especially with we're five, six games into the season, so a lot of this we're basing on, especially the freshmen who just started their careers, basing on last year, previous season. Well, Cookman was at Tulane last year. He at LSU now. He nice. So <laughs> a lot. Yeah. There's a good point guards out there, but he he definitely one of the top. You got to give him his his just due. But let's. But yeah, I'll, I'll flip it like this. You know, this is very hypothetical. If you put any of those other point guards in Jamal Shedd's spot for Houston, would they have the same impact? Uh, yeah, I think so, because of that. That's a lot. That's a more very of hypothetical. Very, very, very yeah, much so. I, <laughs> I think so. Not only that, because of if they playing for Houston, they being coached by Coach Sampson and staff, yeah. you got to take all of that in consideration as well. And so um, I, I think so. <laughs> It's exactly culture, what culture, that, culture, man. Exactly <laughs> yeah. what I had in yeah. mind. If they get, if they were to switch shoes, you'd imagine they would get coached up, and they would be, it, it, you know, they would be demanded to play at the same level that Jamal Shedd has right. been playing, not only for Houston this season, but for his entire career here. The Cougars, I mean, just look at today's game. How many times that Jamal Shedd had to ask for a sub because he was exhausted because of how hard yeah. he was playing during the game. Yeah. Yes. That's what Kelvin Sampson and the staff demand. You would imagine regardless of whether it's Jamal Shedd or any other player, that's going to be the same non-negotiable standard for whoever is on the court wearing Houston across their chest. How about this question? Do y'all prefer Dunn or Sharp in a starting lineup? Tonight, mm. Tonight's game was the first that neither one had it going. You know, previous five games, either, at least one of them had it going, and they picked up the other one. So, uh, you know, it's not a huge difference. Emmanuel is more of a three-point and, and it have deeper range. You know, I, I don't know. I must kind of say it depends on the matchup. I, 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 you know, honestly, I'm not really sure. It makes a huge difference. What do you think? I think Damian Dunn. I like Damian Dunn in the starting lineup more because he's more of a complete player, and he can give you more. Although his shot's not falling, he still is more of a complete player. Not only can he shoot from outside like Emmanuel, but he can score from inside at an efficient rate from inside the three-point line on and that can feature him on the block. So he's more of a complete scorer. And I like what um, Emmanuel brings in regards just off the bench instead offense. He's showing his ability to to attack the closeout and to score in the mid-range. And he's making a lot of defensive plays this year as well. And so I like that that combination, that, that impact a little more because then I like them on the floor together too. 
uh, in that second unit because of how uh, what they both can bring. And so I, I like I like the switch. In my opinion. And, and, and three different yeah, people have, have have different <laughs> different viewpoints. Big Zach Sharp. says that. Then Michael Jones says Sharp does not does not pass the ball. Miles Coleman says done over Sharp. Damien has a mellow type game to him. <laughs> so. Yep. It's a good problem to have. And I would say, yeah, Dunn's length is probably a better fit to be in the starting lineup. And Emmanuel Sharp can come off the bench. And he not only is he comfortable in that role because it was what he played for the overwhelming majority of the season last year. But again, when you have Eldrick Choir and Jamal Shedd, they don't necessarily need another shooter opposite of him. They could have Damian Dunn, who not only can he shoot, but like Dayon said, is a little bit more versatile. And it just adds that extra wrinkle to opposing defenses right out the gate. I'd like to see Damien do more catch and shoot threes than any step back pull-ups. That's really not his game, especially for Houston's offense. Michael Jones with this done as a defender, going back to what we always say, he has to be. He's getting better as a defender. I mean, he said to media so far, he's never run this much in his life being in the Houston system. And part of that was because of he wasn't playing as hard and up to the Cougar standard in practice. So when he made mistakes, he had to run the line a lot. So he said, man, I've never run this much in my life, but he's becoming a more reliable defender because it's demanded of him to play in the Houston lineup. And see, we got here, Nathan, I like doing a tad bit more. He's a, he agrees with the mellow comparison. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that too. I, I like done a little bit more, um, like a Carmelo, really like a like a Joe Johnson type of game. A big guard who can handle the ball, who can score in isolation, who can catch and shoot, who's big enough, who can defend, and and I really like his game. I think well, he he's gonna get better and better as season goes on. Plus, he has the experience, and like Chris said, he can he can stretch the floor with the catch and shoot. But in the times where Say Jamal and um, LJ might not have it going. You can you can isolate him and you can go to him. Versus Emmanuel is more of a catch and shoot. And I did they did isolate and did run one action to isolate Emmanuel on the wing and get him into a pick and roll action. He was able to make a play for JoJo who got to the free throw line. So that just shows Emmanuel does have that capability as well. But I, in my opinion, I just think Dunn's a little better in that spot right now. And you know, right now Damian's. Played college ball longer than Emmanuel. So he's got that edge too with the experience. And what I like about it, he's got a kind of an old school game, an old man game. And I like that. Being the old head of the three of us, I like that too. So uh, either way, it's just another example of the versatility and flexibility that this this season's team has. <clears throat> and salute to Javon Francis. Corey's bringing up. Corey missed you on FTS earlier today, man. But yeah. Javon did a good job under Ron Holmes. Ron Holmes is pretty much a non-factor. <laughs> I mean, you know, A-10 defense player of the year, one of the best players in that conference, did not have a huge impact in tonight's game for Dayton. Yeah. It's good, good question from, from Gus. Of the three, Dunn is more all-around, a better score from all over the court. Emmanuel's a corner three threat. Dunn, Cryer, Shed is lethal. Who would you guard? And Terry Ferguson, this is the point I think Coach Sampson and the staff will lean on during certain games this season. He likes both. Play the hot hand. And that's that's one thing 
Coach Samson does. If he got, got an advantage, got a mismatch, going to run the same play over and over and over again until that hand cools off or until the defense makes adjustments and tries to stop it and makes them do something else. And go, going back to Gus's comment, that's a great point. When Dunn, Cryer, and Cheddar are on the floor, teams are, have to make a tough choice to pick your poison. And the last couple of games, it's kind of been – you kind of seen Utah and Dayton. It seems like they're – the poison that they're picking is Jamal Shedd, and Jamal Shedd is making them pay. Today, LJ Cryer made them pay, too, uh, oftentimes when it came off the offensive rebounds. But that is a very great point when regards to how lethal that combination is. <laughs> Add Emmanuel Sharp and Terrence Arsenal, who had good moments in today's game. Again, <laughs> how deep this team is, is phenomenal. And then, you know, add Juwan Roberts to that. So you got basically the starting lineup. You have them different points of the floor. How a team defends it. If you put one on the block, a double, that he can just kick it out to one of those sh- shooters, rotate it out. If you have LJ Cryer open in the corner, it's a three point bucket. So it is kind of a pick your poison for opponents so far this season. And we believe going forward throughout this season. This team has, I think, more, has a higher ceiling offensively some of the previous Cougs teams do. But they're also as good defensively as the, those, those previous Coug teams. So it's a nice combination. Yeah, I agree. JoJo got to get out of silly fouls. He's like a, what, a, almost a, every foul he gets a point or something like that. <laughs> 17 fouls, 16 points, something, something like that in his, his uh, young career. Freshman, that's okay. But Coach Sampson trusts him enough to give him the minutes and, and play through his mistakes because he did make some rotation mistakes early in that first half. I don't know if he really have any other options. <laughs> well, he could, depending on the team, he could go four guards and, and have one at the five. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right, you're right, you're right. You're right. Andy, should I acknowledge this question from, from Ryan? <laughs> and for that is because I'm working on getting Kelvin Sampson's post game. Uh, oh, so comments. He, so he's already Jeff's already emailed it. Yes, sir, he did, oh, and wow. we will hear it live in approximately two to three minutes, depending on how long it takes to um, load. You know, it's a, I told you it's a business trip. The moment this game was going to end, they were going to get on that flight and and head back to Houston. Back, they've been yeah. <laughs> they've been there for almost an entire week, so um, not surprised with how fast. Yeah, well, yeah we can touch on this thoughts on about Terrence Arsenal. His role seems to have diminished since last year. Mm, I wouldn't it, say it's diminished. No, it's just different. It depends on the opponent. That's really because there was game. What, a game or two ago? He played great. <laughs> you know, it depends on when he gets more minutes, he does a good job. And he had a big three towards the end of that first half that pushed the, the double digit, pushed the lead up to 10 before uh, halftime. So, again, yeah, And remember, awesome. audience, when the game was tied against Utah, after the timeout, who did Coach Sampson go to after the timeout? Terrence Arsenal. And Terrence got a bucket and started that run. This yeah. team, we're going to say it a lot this year. This team has so many weapons 
that it will depend, it could depend on the opponent, and it may be game to game who gets hot, who has a hot hand. It might be Terrence, it might be Juan, it might be Jamal, it might be LJ Cryer, it might be Damian Dunn, it might be Emmanuel Sharp. Who are you gonna who are you gonna guard game to game? You know, based on that kind of you assume LJ Cryer is number one on the opponent's list. Let's stop him. Okay. Let's go to Dwan Roberts. Then let's go to Damian Dunn. Then let's go down the list. Spoiled nice riches. Yeah. That's a nice problem to have. This team is deep. Yeah, and to, to Miles' question, like you guys just said, I don't think his, his role is diminishing. We talked about his development through this year, and he seems more confident, especially in his jump shot. And I, I think he is growing, and he is developing. And on a game-to-game basis, it, it depends upon his role in that game. But I don't think his role is diminished. If anything, this year has definitely grown. He's being counted upon even more. And I think his role continues being really just based upon the game. I mean, if, if you got it going, Coach Sam's going to keep you on the floor. I don't think his role is diminished. I think he is growing. He's in develop, is developing. And and to add further to it, in the four guard, one big lineup with Terrence at the four spot, he's going to get more looks in those situations as well. It's as Andy said, it, it is an embarrassment of riches. <laughs> it really is. And it might be an eight man, nine man. Malik Wilson, Malik, you're a backup point guard. This don't, is a good good point. Don't take shots off balance. That's not your game, Malik. Okay, just run the offense. I don't know. I don't, what, what do you you be saying? He's not players' game. What do you mean by that? Because you said something I want, that came in a while ago about the turnaround fadeaway. He's not being his game. No, I didn't say that. Okay. I didn't say that at all about Damian. No, no, Malik. You talking about Malik Wilson? Malik yeah, yeah. is yeah. He's he's a defensive first guy, especially for this team. Create havoc on defense and just run the offense. Mm-hmm. He's an athlete. He's a facilitator. Yeah, be a facilitator. Don't lean on his shot, all those kind of things. If you're going to shoot a jumper, square up. Don't fade one way or the other. That run he took off, come on, Malik, that's not your shot. Especially Coach Sampson. Those you're not, that's, you know what Coach Sampson likes and expects from you. Don't do those things like that because you won't play a lot if you keep doing those kind of things. Corey Miller's point. They oh, we had the same idea. Yeah. We both clicked it twice. Um, yeah, that was the stat that they showed during the ESPN broadcast. Only two it's, players transferred out of the programs in nine seasons. I need to clarify: two players it, in the rotation. There you go. In, in nine seasons. Yeah, I, and I'll be saying that <laughs> yeah, in the rotation. Not true. Yeah. Yeah, in um, the rotation. Because course, we could Cedric Alley. Yep, Cedric Alley. Um, I mean, we're back to Seattle. Him, the big kid went back to Indiana. You know, guys yeah, like that too. Yeah, they went to um, Stephen and Faustin. Yep. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah. It, so yeah, any <laughs> other program around the country? I, I know the point they're trying to get at, but that's not true. Yeah. You know, Coach Sampson. Corey Miller's point. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, Chris. He, he he says it, but he also adds that point about in a rotation. So I don't know if some national media are choosing to ignore that part of it, <laughs> but he has said within a rotation. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Corey Miller, yeah, those, those are the two. Um, Cam, Cam, yeah, Cam Tyson, Robbie, and Robbie Armbrester. Yep. Those right there also. Um, and what was the name of the, of Kieran Powell? Kieran Powell. Kieran Powell, yep. Mm-hmm. Powell. Yeah. Just like, you know, it's been the same as any other program in the country. Yeah, 
players, players, get as much playing time as they expect, they transfer out. Yeah, he's only had a few players who in the rotation who transferred out. I think players, plenty of programs around the country have that same thing. Yeah, you know, we if we studied it more and see how many players out of out of eight man rotation leave, it's not going to be that many. <laughs> you know, out of an eight man rotation year to year, yeah, it's not going to be a whole lot of folks like that. So, but it sounds good. And if you don't research it, Gresham didn't transfer. He graduated. Who? Bryson Gresham. He had tech. He had technically graduated, but yeah, he did transfer and he played one year at TSU after. So a little bit of both. <laughs> technically, he did transfer. Real quickly, um, like to remind everybody, this is Let's Rage Cougs presented by the Sex Indian Family. Let's Rage Cougs, the original Houston post game show for men's basketball and football, the unofficial for Houston Cougars. Of course, we'd like to say thank you to not only our primary sponsor, which I said is the Sex Indian Family, but also Star Pizza with multiple locations across the Houston area. Star Pizza is your go to stop before or after the game. And be sure to stop by any other locations. Every Tuesday during lunchtime for an all-you-can-eat pizza buffet. And on that note, let's hear what Kelvin Sampson had to say following Houston's 69-55 victory over Dayton and uh, the clincher for the Charleston Classic Championship. Stop after his offensive There's a time and place for everything, but you know, has been made for four years. That's the great thing about signing kids out of high school and developing them. You know, there's a, there's a level of trust that's built up that, uh, that you don't always have after five months uh, with a kid. But, uh, um, you know, Jamal's been on a Final Four team, an Elite Eight team, a uh, Sweet 16 team. So, you know, he knows how to play the way I want him to play. Uh, he knows the way the team should look. Uh, and I would say the same thing with J1 Roberts. You know, this is his uh, uh, fourth year uh, playing, too, and he's been done the same thing. You know, Final four, lead eight, sweet sixteen. I mean, he's, these guys are all cut down nets. They know what winning is. They have uh, high standards. Uh, you know, our cultures, they're the ones who drive it. Uh, and, they're, and they're great role models for these uh, young kids, like JoJo Tuckler. You know, put a comma beside that kid's name. He's be really good. And, and uh, Javier Francis, you know, while everybody was hollering about who you can get in the portal, you know, thank, thank God the coaches know what they're doing. You know, we, we, uh, we had a young kid there that just needed to play. And uh, we met as a staff and said, what do we want to do? So we believe in JVR and we believe in JoJo and we believe in J1. And uh, uh, they're going to get better and better and better. I thought our depth uh, shown all the way through the tournament, been able to rotate our guards and our uh, bigs. I thought Terrence Arsenault, Terrence Arsenault has taken a step forward. Um, we have 10 guys uh, that we can play. Um, but you know, it's so early in the season. You know, you can tell that we've got a lot of new guys, and there's still a newness uh, to this team with with uh, Damian Dunn's um, six games into his career, not 16, six. Uh, L.J. Cryer, um, but they're they're high they're high character kids. Uh, they're tremendous, tremendous teammates. Uh, they're very coachable. They listen well. Um, and they come from great families, and uh, and those those are the kind of kids that do well in our program. Well, you answered every other question I had already, so thank you, guys. Appreciate oh. it. <laughs> uh, the coach Kelvin Sampson way put out one question to give you 
and answered to probably three questions. So all of them. So all of the ones you had um, written down on your notebook or whatever the heck you wrote in. But at the, the biggest thing from that post-game press conference, trust. Trust not only with Jamal Shedd, but again, he mentioned Jawan Roberts. Top to bottom, even with Javier Francis. Again, when uh, it was the offseason, there was a lot of talk about, oh, Houston should get this transfer when it comes to big men and, and something that he's been consistent with. I'm talking about consistent a lot last night. Something he's been consistent with going back to last season about how confident they were in Javier Francis and how good or how confident they would be in once he got stable minutes in the rotation, which starting to see much more again, still early on six games through the season, but we're starting to see that and game like today where he had almost 10 rebounds shows the dividends that development, something that this program really prioritizes or really prides itself. I should say rather is in that development. And, and, Javier, he, he needs minutes to be more consistent. Mm-hmm. And I think the more he plays, the more consistent he will be. Consistently good he will be. And we, we will see if the coaches were correct. They met as a staff in the offseason and agreed, determined that there was no need to go out in the portal and get a big. They believe in Javier Francis could be that one and Joe Gio as well. We'll see. Some fans Disagree. We'll see who who how who was correct as the season moves on. But Andy, we've seen Javier in practice. We've seen the work he puts in. He just needs time, needs a minute, and he's got to be consistent. Talk more on defense. Crash those rebounds, get to crash the boards, and not have a game of you know one game of two rebounds, and then nine, then back to two, eight, one. No, seven, eight, seven, eight, nine, ten, seven, ten, eleven, seven, not one or two. Come on now. Yeah, and that consistency on defense as well, like you alluded to when it came um, to the communication aspect of it, the talking component to it. And I think, again, still barely six games into the season, but we are starting to see it much more in spurts, certainly uh, much more than we did over the last season, over last season. So it'll be interesting to see as the season progresses how his role continues to grow. And in this instance, they did double down because there is no other like Dayon, like you mentioned earlier in the show, there's not really an alternative. Um, you know, barring you know any injuries, it's not like they're going to go um, with McFarland or any of the younger. Well, he's redshirting, so yeah, Jacob's going to redshirt. So it is, it is pretty much doubling down, and again, kind of doubling down on the development component that Houston prides itself in as an identity of the program. Yep, and uh, he's going to be able to develop with experience part of the development is being experienced and he's getting a lot of teaching tape every game is going to be teaching tape for him to really just to be able to learn through his mistakes and you see flashes in regards to him especially with his length and athleticism be able to recover and impact shots that's why i think jva's impact is bigger than the stat sheet as long as he um impacts the game with his presence, with his shot blocking, with the different ways that he can with his switchings and different ways that he can impact the game because I don't think he's ever going to dominate the stat sheet. I think he might have games where he does, but primarily on the game-to-game basis, you need him to be impactful and, and make his presence impactful in the game. And post post this from Gus. Whoops. 
this 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 is agreed. I'm old enough. Yeah, I agree. This is a golden era of Cougar basketball for sure. And enjoy it because who knows how long it will last. And I want to say this kind of like this to Gus, but some folks talk about as reason not for the Big 12 to add Gonzaga. They say Mark Hughes, he's a coach there. Once he leaves, they won't be, won't be the same. Well, we expect Kellen to continue the run, but he's not his dad. Who's to say once Kelvin retires, this won't be the same? You never know about things like that. But this is a program. They've been built. The foundation is solid. The winning, you know, college basketball, players come and go after one year, two, three, or four. The programs that keep winning, they've established a winning culture to win consistently year in, year out. And Kelvin Sampson has done that and has established the Houston Cougars as a nationally relevant men's basketball program that is expected to compete for championships every year. It's been a long-ass time when that was the case for Houston Cougars men's basketball. I don't have anything to add on that. Yeah, for sure. Can they keep building? What the, what they? Who knows what the future holds? I'm just embracing the moment, like you said, appreciating yeah. where they are right now, appreciating the consistency, appreciating on a year-to-year basis. Let's see. Who knows? And yeah. the Big 12, Dan, we kind of touched on a little bit, I think, a previous show. Because the Big 12 is so tough, every night should be a Q1 or Q2 game in, in conference play. I'm going to say it, speaking for myself, not putting words in y'all's mouth. I would like to some more competitive games, non-conference from the Cougs. <laughs> you know, no shine on Dayton. I mean, overall, just a few more Q1 non-conference matchups than what is on the schedule right now. Well, they very well could get that test um, a week from Friday. They're getting closer to playing Xavier as part of the Big 12 and Big East Challenge, so that'll be something uh, to look forward to. Even Jackson State. Jackson State had uh, had an upset win today. I think they not Was it Mizzou that they knocked out um, earlier today, which Houston has to play later on in the season? So, uh, some of these games in December might be, might be um, some sneaky test for Houston um, before they start their inaugural Big 12 play. Um, Montana game on Friday. That'll be interesting. I'll be curious to see what the turnout for that game uh, will be. And it's uh, 3 o'clock start. Friday, 3 p.m. Yep. Um, obviously, they're going to be playing Texas A&M at Toyota Center, so that'll be a good non-conference. So they have some tests coming. Um and I think this is a good kind of precursor. It was a good tournament to get your feet wet. And then it's going to be the gauntlet. It's going to be the gauntlet of the Big 12 schedule. Oh, yeah. I mean, and I know Coach Samson would tell me, he put me to the side and say, Chris, you know, I put together a schedule. I know what I'm, I'm doing. I'm doing. Coach, I know. <laughs> I know all that. But I like to sprinkle in some other top 20 matchups. That, that's all I'm saying. You know, a couple. Give me two more. That kind of thing. That's all I'm saying. I don't want to see, you know, Louisiana Monroe kind of games, you know. That's all. What do you think, Dayon? 
Uh, I know. I, I agree. I get what you're what you're saying, and it's not. I don't disagree with what you're saying for definitely, but at the same time, and I can understand why the schedule is constructed the way it is this year, especially when having the youth that they have in the post area needing them to get to a certain way, um, certain certain mark for them to be be ready um, by a district. I mean, by not district by a conference, and so I know. I get what you're saying. I, I would like to see it too. I definitely like to see more competitive game too, but I can understand it for this year's teams where they are, and like we like we mentioned before, being in the Big Twelve and having the strength of the Big Twelve, not having to worry about your schedule and being able to think about having enough wins to get that number one seed. You take care of business in the Big Twelve, you know, you have the qualifications to get that number one seed. I would say there's one non-conference game that that could bring back from a fan from an outside perspective. It's got to be Memphis. Yes. <laughs> Definitely, it's got to be Memphis. And I know Penny Hardaway would like to see it happen. I asked him that at the American Media Day. He'd like to see it happen. I think it, it, ha- it has been discussed. Most likely a neutral site would be what it would have to be. Whereas I think Houston would prefer it to be a home-and-home kind of thing. I, I don't know about that if it happens, but yes, the fans, both both set of fans would love to see that. A Houston, Memphis, heck, make it annual, non-conference matchup between those two programs, for sure. And let me ask you, fans, how many of y'all have tickets to the uh, Cougars-Aggies game on December 16th? I see y'all mentioning the Aggies a few times in the comments, but how many of y'all have tickets to that game? Is what is it? Uh, one thirty on Saturday. I think Longhorns are first at eleven, something like that. One thirty on December sixteenth. Yeah, that Saturday. Sounds about right. Sounds about right. Turd says, "Play them in New Orleans, Memphis." No, no, play them. Play them in in Fort Worth. (laughs) Memphis would have a problem back. They say, say, "Hey, we we won there," so you know. Let's see. We'll be there. Haven't bought tickets yet. Not yet, Nathan. but planning to. Okay, well. Only, Miles says, only game I don't have, got young alum season tickets. Yeah, I wonder, is that part of the, the uh, season ticket package, that game? I don't know. I'm asking. I do not know that. I've heard that. I don't uh, think so. Since it's I don't think it is because, yeah, I think the lower bowl is almost sold out. For, I tell for, people... For People on Instagram, they made a, a post about it. They're uh, kind of lobbying for them to open the, the Upper Bowl for that game. Toyota Center. I've seen billboards around town. There's some there's some hype for the matchup. Best teams in the region. Moss Coleman says it is not a part of the season ticket yep. package. I'll see if I can find out tomorrow for sure. But about two weeks ago, there were talks, plans, whatever, about opening up the Upper Bowl for the doubleheader. So I'll, I'll reach out to see if I can get confirmation on whether it has happened yet. Wanda Polk has her tickets. And bo- and two of them say, no, it is not part of the season tickets. So three people say it's not part of season tickets. All right, well, get those tickets. Because that'll be a fun place to have another uh, less rich Cougs right there. And, I, and also, I was supposed to, like a week ago, they were supposed to have sent out the applications for uh, or more information about credentials for it as well. And they haven't done that yet, so i got to find that out too. 
won't be a problem for folks who cover the participating teams, but just in general, I have been asked questions about credentials for that game. What else? We all almost wrap it up because we try to want to do 45 minutes for less rage Cougs, especially for basketball. Anybody want to take a shot at football? <laughs> One final um, remark about football. Michael Jones says, me and my crew will be there. That's outstanding. Come say hi to us. I'm not sure where we're going to sit. That's one thing I got to find out, too, where we're going to be seated for that game. But, uh, Dayan, let's talk about this. That's final moments. Women's hoops. Women's coops. They got talent. They got, as Dayan, we used to joke about, they got post players who can make layups, <laughs> which is a big, big improvement. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I think it will be decent this year. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I think this is the first year that they have a quality level level of depth, really starting with their guard play. This is the first year that I've seen that they have high-level guard play to match with Layla. They've only had like one or two. It would be like Jasmine Harris back in her day. Then it was Layla when she heard, and um, they had Maya um, who transferred to Jackson State. Them two was high-level. Mm-hmm. Mark Crump. And then other than that, it has been just one. And, and oh, I can't take it. And last year with Tierra Young, but they wouldn't let her just get busy. Yeah. But the, the point guard, this is the first time they had a high level point guard with Boy and then with the, the length and to be able to, like you said, to be able to. It's it's funny, but it's not funny to catch it and, and make a layup. And so now nah, I think, <laughs> I think. I'm, I'm optimistic as I as I always am, but they have the talent and it sticks out. Like they got it, and with the system, now it's about learning and learning how to win games. But I'm loving what I'm seeing from Layla. I think her temperament, her shot selection. I think she's knowing how to close out games now. And I think in tough game situations, a close game, I, I feel like they this might be the year for them. This might be. They got yeah, the talent, though, like Chris said. She does not have to carry so she much don't. weight on her shoulders this year. So that is a big plus. Yep. Let's see. What is this Gus talking about here? Uh, well, you guys, man, Chris, yeah. you brought up football. And yeah, I think all fans, fans hate Dana and they're taking a person. Who's who's they? I'm asking because I'm not sure. Are you talking about Dana or the administration? I don't hate Dana. I don't, you know, I don't. I think he's talking about, about the fans. Okay. And the fans are taking it personal now. Well, I, I mean, but. That's what fans do, <laughs> you know, and I'm, I say that to, to make this point. The fans are upset and taking a person. I don't recommend that at all, but I'd rather them have the emotion to hate and be so upset about it than be indifferent and not care at all. So I, I'd say that they're passionate about the program. That That's what I, I that's. I say it like that. Be passionate about your program, but don't make it personal. This, we're talking about human beings, people with families, all that kind of, never forget that. Whatever it is we're talking about in sports, the coaches, coaching staffs, they have lives. They have kids, parents, wives, spouses, all those things. This is not personal. You just want to see your program succeed. Period. That's all. Also, in regards to Miles Coleman's comment, um, with no video proof. Yeah, it wasn't uh, proof. Dana said he didn't do it. Yep. So, again, a lot. It, it, last night, 
post game weird a lot of anger a lot of frustration both from the fans from the players um going back to Nas and Caesar's comment um all that to bring up so what are the chances of Saturday is the last game Dana coaches at U of H I would put it at 30 25 percent that he'll be gone after UCF Dan, what is your percentage? Because you ended our show Friday, uh, Saturday night that you thought he'd be, that he was done. You want to put hey, a number I, on it? Having a premonition that he's going to be gone. I think it's going to be about 60, probably about 60% oh. that he's going to be gone. I'm feeling it. I'm just really, maybe he's trying to manifest. Who knows? Well, Who knows what's going on? Like he, I think it depends how they look. Be gone. Wow. Okay. That's 60% is a lot. <laughs> Man, okay, Miles says there is there is video proof because what we saw it wasn't it was not Dana, it was somebody else. But it <laughs> the, was the, not Dana. the picture was of a random guy just pointing at the U of H section, and then the video proof that at least the only video proof that I've seen um, was a meme of Bill O'Brien when he verbally and got cut on video um, going back at a fan. I think it was the 2019 season. Um, so, I don't I'm know, there's other 10%. videos. Yeah, I'm going to say 10%. I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> I think it, the only way I can <laughs> see it is if they just get ransacked by UCF and it's not competitive. Again, that's a program where, I mean, heading into the matchup, they're both tied with two conference wins, so the winner of it's going to have the edge in terms of... I've seen that video that, that Miles just sent me and it, uh, I'll let you guys determine if this is Dana or not. Look like it is. Uh, send it, and we could uh, we could play we could it. it on the screen. Yeah. No, that is that Bill O'Brien. Okay. Those are the Texans. Yeah, that's Deshaun Watson, DeAndre Hopkins. So, again, that that was what I was referring to in terms of the 2019 season. I think the person was trying to have a meme. Kickface <laughs> says he can't wait for the Space City battle. Um. So. 11 o'clock kickoff on Saturday. Yeah. Not last game of the season. I think for all sides, they're looking to get to that finish line. And again, just be respectable. And we'll see. We'll see what the administration starts to do. I will say this. There's no way that they're still going to, you know, have deaf ears and say that they don't hear the criticism and the frustration because after last night, it was deafening. Um, there's a lot of people clamoring for change. Four and eight. If they lose four and eight, they got to make changes. Four, I'm sorry. They got to make changes. Four and eight, they got to do it. But let's forget all that. Basketball team is now six and oh. Cougars men's basketball with a methodical 14-point win over Dayton. I don't believe the league got under double digits in the second half at all. I'm not sure that they'll, they'll still be, what, ranked sixth in the polls, if you care about that. Kim Palm says number one, I think. Net rankings, that's what I, I was trying to pull up the net rankings, but I think it's going to come back uh, come in first part of December when the first one of the season will come out. We'll see where the Cougars are for the net rankings. But, you know, they'll be top five, something like that. No worries there, but yeah, let's end Les Rage Cougs on a positive vibe. 
talking about the basketball team. Andy so they, get a couple, they get a couple days off until they're back at it. Black Friday inside the Fertitta Center against Montana. Once again, the final score from Charleston, from Charleston College for the Charleston Classic. The number six-ranked Houston Cougars come out victorious, 69-55, and our Charleston Classic champions. LJ Cryer was named the MVP of the event for the Houston Cougars, and he led the way in this game scoring-wise. He had 18-4-8 on his threes. He had two rebounds. One assist, Jamal Shen had 16 points, four assists, only two turnovers. Jawan Roberts, 10 points, two rebounds, shy of a double-double. He only had eight. And again, a couple days until the Houston Cougars are back. Um, people can find me on social media on X at Aon is underscore five. And of course, we'd like to say thank you to our sponsors, beginning with the Saxinian family, the primary sponsor for this episode of Let's Rage Cougs, the unofficial and original Houston postgame show uh, for men's basketball and football. And of course, we'd like to say thank you to Star Pizza, who is today's secondary sponsor, multiple locations across the Houston area. Star Pizza is your go-to stop before or after the game. And be sure to stop by any of their locations every Tuesday during lunchtime for an all-you-can-eat pizza buffet. And I am Chris Gardner of the Houston Round Bar View. Follow me, Houston Round Bar View, on all the social media platforms, Instagram, Spotable, Threads, TikTok. And thank you very much, for, as always, for your support and watching Less Ray Cougs. And we will see you uh, Friday. Friday yes, evening-ish kind of thing. Yep, like the gentleman just said, appreciate the constant support. Appreciate you all tapping in on this Sunday night. Men are, uh, what, 6-0? and The women mm-hmm. are undefeated, 3-0. and I think Houston Hoops may have a good season on both sides. Football team, one more game left. But as always, can't end it without go Cougs, man. <laughs>